Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Elaine, a beautiful young witch, is determined to find a man to love her. In her gothic Victorian apartment, she makes spells and potions and then picks up men and seduces them. However, her spells work too well, leaving her with a string of hapless victims. When she finally meets the man of her dreams, her desperation to be loved will drive her to the brink of insanity. It's just a wonderful film. I really enjoyed this quite a bit. It's called The Love Witch, and we have the all-purpose uh, I say Swiss Army knife of filmmaking here. Director, writer, producer, editor. You did some sound design, I think, as well, and that would be Anna Biller. Anna, welcome to Film School. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, is, am I right about the sound? You, you worked on the sound as well. Well, yeah, I did. I, I wrote some of the music, and um, <laughs> <laughs> so I did all the yeah all the editing, including the sound editing. I also made the, made uh, most of the costumes, and I designed the sets. Wow. Well, it's a wonderful film. I uh, Again, I'm just dying to know where the story for The Love Witch came from. Well, basically, um, it's an autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, it's an autobiography, but, you know, it then, you know, it adds fantasy to it. The fantasy that I'm not just a regular woman, I might be a witch, or I might have these powers that I don't really have. But the gender relationships in the movie are, are, are really quite um, ordinary. Yes. It's, um, it's really what the, the kinds of things that happen between men and women that I'm putting in this kind of fantastical setting of a woman with, you know, amazing beauty and amazing powers. And in this, uh, she lives in this world that she's created full of unicorns and rainbows and potions and very groovy clothes. <laughs> and, you know, in a red um, 60s Mustang. And, and, you know, she goes out and tries to get victims. So what it is is it's taking, like, ordinary uh, life and kind of turning it into a dream, into a cinema dream. Yeah, it, it's all of that. It's done with uh, this sense of humor which i just love about there's so many things i i really do like about the film the the uh, the set designs the look you shot this on 35 did i, I understand that correctly yes yes it was shot on 35 millimeter and me and my dp used lighting techniques that were used in the old technicolor movies so yeah. it's not just shot on film but it really looks like a classic movie i would say like it looks like it's like a, a time capsule yeah and I've, I've, some of the reviews have referred to that exact uh that, that exact thing that it looks as if this really could have been made in 1964 or 60 or even going back a little for the technicolor goes back obviously a lot further than that but it has that look and uh, yeah and we achieved that with the um the color design on the sets and the makeup and and the lighting because uh my dp and i are both real fetishists for the um classic movies <laughs> so we did that but i mean the film takes place in the modern day right it just has this it's it's like um the techniques we use were were, were these um much older techniques which are not used anymore right well and she's driving a red is that a 66 67 mustang i don't know what yeah. year that was and then of course the the one of the first boyfriends is driving that old chevy impala i think that yeah. from that from that era but you know a lot of that is is kind of realistic too because we shot this up in the eureka arcada yeah. area those experience and a lot of people drive old cars up there so 
um, you know, right in front of our Victorian house, there were a lot of vintage cars already parked there. We didn't place any of those cars. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I, that's a lot of what people drive. Yeah. In, no, in California, yeah. you know, hipsters. Hipsters do, so. yes. Well, uh, yeah, and absolutely, and uh, and it has that Northern California vibe to it. I, I mean, aside from, in addition to the look, uh, it, there's a certain kind of cultural sensibility that permeates the film that feels like the mid-60s, mid to late-60s era. Just a lot of it has that. Yeah, feel. I think that's because uh, the film has to do with witchcraft and hippies and, um, you know, all kinds of bohemians that would have been in San Francisco in the 60s. Yeah. So what inspired you to take this from a film that is in some ways about your life and to put that spin on it? What was it that drew you to that particular motif? Well, I like to take, uh, I like to make my life into a fantasy, not not in my real life, you know, like I don't have a house that's decorated like that, or I don't, <laughs> I don't you know, I have a, a very normal existence, and I like to make a fantasy out of it. And so I like to create, um, create a world, let's say. Yeah to live in and for my audience to live in that's more symbolic and metaphorical in terms of how it presents um its dilemmas um you know i've always loved fairy tales and i just i'm a real cinephile and so i think part of part of making the movie look like that is just that this is what i think movies should look like this is what when i was growing up i watched so many classic movies and i just really studied them and i just thought this is where magic comes from and now the way they make movies, um, you know, it's more documentary-like, and it's, it's almost like a movie that comes out of the cinema is something that looks the same as what you could shoot at home mm-hmm. in your, on your camcorder. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of creating magic in the cinema with, with glamour and lighting and makeup the way they used to. Mm-hmm. And so I think that no matter what film I made, no matter what it was about, um, I, might, I might have a tendency to, to make it um, into a cinema fantasy. Well, and also the setting, the era that this is set in, this... 60s-ish era of uh, it is also a time in which the country and the culture was coming to grips with a, a lot of misogyny, women's rights, feminism. There's a lot of the the empowerment of women in in a cultural sense, and also in a cinematic sense. In that era, there was a lot of the there was there were a lot of films about women stories stories that were the central that's character true. was it so so is that was that's that in true. your well thought? i'm actually you know what the funny thing is i'm actually setting the film in the present but i'm actually i'm referencing the past with a lot of the things that you're talking about um but also um you know the fact that i'm really highlighting gender is, is the thing that seems the most retro about it i think the idea that men are men and women are women and you've got these like fetishistic men's and women's worlds in the movie, like the pink tea room, which is so feminine, and yes. then there's the cops, and you know yeah. the, co- the police station, and that's so masculine, and everything's so exaggerated, <laughs> and everybody really looks like very much like you know an exaggerated male or female type of character. I think that's the most retro thing about it. But I think also, if I'm going to talk about gender, I'm going to talk about gender roles, and you know, and 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 the position of women in society. You know, I want to talk about it in this way where you can really see what's going on because I really don't think things have changed as much as people think they have. And I concur. Even though we're all more androgynous now, I don't think, yeah. I don't think those roles have really changed really that much. Right. I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with Anna Biller, and she's the director, writer, producer, uh, editor, and all kinds of things, <laughs> all other, all manners of speaking and making the film The Love Witch. You're, it's opening tonight at the New Art Theater in Los Angeles, one of the great theaters in Los Angeles for people who love movies. Are you there for a Q&A tonight? 
Yes, I definitely will be there tonight. And I noticed that you're in Irvine, and the film is opening, I think, next weekend in um, Irvine as well. I think... If not tonight, it's. I mean, I think it opens tonight. I, I'll go. I'll oh, double it opens ch- tonight in Irvine. Oh yeah. Okay, yeah. Great. At the University yeah. Town Center, actually. At first yeah. screening is at one o'clock or one ten, and there's a seven twenty screening and a ten o five screening as well. Oh as a, great. Yeah, four four ten yeah. screening. So, see it. <laughs> I, I am. I'm. I'm openly and nakedly promoting the film because. I don't think I've given enough emphasis to the fact that this is a fun film. It's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, it, it, I think that's its main appeal is that it's so much, it's so entertaining. It's so much fun to watch. It really makes people laugh, and but it's also kind of creepy and weird and horrifying, which I think is part of its entertainment that we're dealing with with a very disturbed woman. Right, <laughs> and that's fun to watch too. The fact that she's this gorgeous witch, but she's also like deeply troubled, and, and this is something that's that's fun in a way too. Like. You know, sociopathic characters in movies are always really fun to watch. Yes, and speaking of uh, presidential candidates, but narcissistically uh, path- pathological. <laughs> yeah, I mean, which is which is really interesting. I, I know this is an unintended consequence of your film, but there is something about someone who is so completely oblivious to the world around them, but so sure of themselves that. Oh, it, I think I think I think pathological narcissism is always current. But it's, <laughs> I, I think that really, I really think that this election has brought that to the foreground yeah. in a way that it hasn't been. Yeah. For, you know, ever before. Yeah. Anyway. So, in a, in addition to the the fun, the fun of the story, the fun of the characterizations, uh, and all of that, it's deeply relevant to our world as well. I want a shout out to uh, Samantha Robinson, who is the lead. She is Elaine, and she's terrific in the film. There's a lot of really good uh, performances in the film. What uh, what was it about her? What drew you to her, her being tapped to be Elaine in the film? Well, besides her just uncanny beauty, she has such a kind of a poise and a grace and an elegance about her, which is very, very unusual for somebody that young. But also, she, she's, she's a very, very good actress, very serious actress. And then she has this, this distanced quality, which, which comes off as, um, as icy cold, almost, you know, almost as like you're terrified of her just by just shooting you a glance. And this is even before she got into her character and makeup. <laughs> she has this quality where you could just do a close-up of her, and it just, like, shoots daggers into your heart. <laughs> and uh, that's, just, that's just who she is. That's her. Um, that's her. Yeah. And I just saw that quality, and I almost died. I thought, this is amazing, because I can do so much with her, with the camera, just with those glances that she gives and that kind of thing. I think that's a lot of the power of the film is her performance. It is. It is. And, and I, I want to... I'm so drawn to, but I don't want to offend you in any way, but I'm so drawn to try to pull in references, cinematic references. I've it's I've read, it's been compared in some ways to sort of a Quentin Tarantino feel and look. I felt like uh, uh, David Lynch came into play when I was watching it, uh, particularly Lost Highway. I felt it had that... That especially the scenes where they're driving, it's obvious they're not actually driving a, a car on a road. That it's a, it's obviously done with a, a back screen, and that look, that look in her eye, the, that sort of distant certainty that she she has this distant look in her eyes, but she has a yeah, certainty well, you to know, her. I actually and, took that more from Hitchcock. Okay, and I think yeah, that, from I birds. I think that David yeah. Lynch also took that from Hitchcock. Well, there you go. <laughs> so I think it's more that our our, our source materials were, were similar. Yeah, and I think that it's the same with Tarantino. It's not that. I'm, I'm actually copying Tarantino as much as the Tarantino and I 
are both looking at older movies. Yeah, that's a great. Yeah. That's a great. Yes, point. It absolutely. Yeah, and so you. I actually don't really um, watch a lot of more newer movies. <laughs> Something told me that that might be your answer. <laughs> yeah, so I'm looking at all the older movies, and they're both cinephiles. You know, tremendous cinephiles yeah. who also watch a lot of older movies. Yeah. And I think we're all pulling. We're all pulling from this kind of store, this rich, rich store of cinematic history. When we're when we're constructing our films, like these fantasies that we all have about cinema, um, and I've just blanked out on the the filmmaker that from the fifties. Uh, it's uh, that was Dirk. Yes. Yes, that, that's another one this feels like, too. <laughs> I don't know you're going to say that. Well, yeah. yes. No, Douglas Sirk is a big influence on my work, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, just, just to try to achieve that kind of lush, technicolor look on, on a low budget and without, you know, having the technicolor technology, uh, it's, it's, it's quite difficult to do. Um, it's quite difficult to pull off, and I feel like we did, and I'm very pleased with that. And you should. And I'll tell you another thing that really it, it's so wonderful about the film and it, and it's a sign to me of a, an excellent filmmaker is that to create an, your own world and within that own, within that world there's all this internal logic that works and and I, I really appreciate that when I see somebody do something like this where they have created a world once you're in it once you've bought into it everything else makes a lot of sense and it's such an enjoyable experience to watch thank that you happen. yeah and that's that's done at the script level and it's actually very difficult to construct it's like a puzzle or a labyrinth that you have to get to so for example we have that very you know it makes people laugh that that incredible like tea room that's like something out of my fair lady or something where the ladies are having tea and when you have that scene and it's close to the beginning of the film and somehow you buy it when they suddenly stumble across this like very 60s right. you know outrageous renaissance fair in the woods because right. you've established that kind of imagery yes. early on yes. and so some of the logic is the internal logic is like a logic of imagery so if you started right. off with rear projection Yes. And you know what I mean? You, yes. you, you start off your cinematography and your sets and, and your world in a certain place, and you can go anywhere from there because you've already established that you're allowed to do that. And isn't that liberating? You, you want, and and it, again, doing that is not an easy trick. You just said, you know, it's really about the script. It's all, But it's also about a look. It's about your cinematographer. It's about the lighting. It is all of yeah, those things all, coming together. It's, it's all of those things. And I guess what it is is this, there's kind of – it's it's a logic on the script level, but it's also logic on the design level yeah. and a logic on the lighting. Yeah. It's also logic in how the actors create their arc. So it's like there are all these different scripts that are being created. Yeah. And then it's the logic in the editing and then the music design. <laughs> yes. So you're, you're creating all of these different narratives and you have to weave them all together. Yeah. Well, I, I just want to give you a hug because I just I, this is <sighs> how I feel about your film. I just because I oh, just, yeah, in the last minute or so I have with you, tell me a little bit about your, your film background. I know you directed an, a film before. It's it called Viva. It was, it was very similar in a way because and that film was set in 1972 and right. it was about the sexual revolution. But, you know, my my background, you know, I started off having a background in visual art and painting, and then even before that, I had kind of a background in theater. So what I what I tried to do was like pull all of these disciplines together and to, to make a work that's kind of like an artwork, and you know, it's also film, and it also involves a lot of traditional theatrical devices um, to just put everything together. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm so happy for you. I guess that's what I was trying to say earlier. Uh, I don't know if I was inappropriate to say I want to hug you, but I just, it, I just want. To, I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy that you you had a vision, you saw it through, and it and it worked, and that it. You've got to be very proud of it. The reviews have been really spectacular on this, uh, and. Uh, 
continued success. I, I just really am hoping that uh, you are back with me in the in the future to talk about your brand new work moving forward because I, I really look forward to it. I really do. Oh, thank you so much for your support. I, I guess it's really wonderful to hear that. It's great. Yeah. I'm really excited about the movie opening tonight, too, and I hope that people come to see it. That's On it. the big screen. At the New Art, it's going to be projected in 35 millimeters, so that's quite special. Awesome. Awesome. And so I assume you're there for uh, something around the 7, 730 screening. Is that is that? Yeah, I'll be there. I'll be, I'll be there, there for a Q&A after the 7 o'clock screening. Fantastic. Well, Anna Biller, I will... I will, with bated breath, wait for your next film, and 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 if it's half as good as this one, uh, it's fantastic. It'll be good, and it will be. And uh, I thank you so much for finding time to to join us here on Film School today. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Take care, Anna. Bye bye. Bye. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.